Weekend News Blast, and Ask the Libertarian. The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty every Saturday from 3 to 6 right here on 95.5 WSB. That's my normal slot, but I make way for UGA football. Thank goodness I do. And uh, so tonight I'm on from 8 to 9, and I really have always loved Saturday nights on WSB. I always get the best callers. It's really interesting and fun. I've been on midnight. Midnight, you really get it. The signal goes forever. I've got, I think I got a call from Mexico once. <laughs> I got Chicago for sure. And forget it, you get the truckers for all night long because they can just grab that signal forever. But then we should be doing pretty well today and especially with our new transmitter. So I am, last time I was on just for a little show, I read tweets and I answered people's questions and all that. And I promised that I would do uh, calls this time. I'm on for an hour. I will take any calls, ask the libertarian, whatever you want to ask me. Keep it clean, keep it polite, and that's about it. The numbers are 404-872-0750 and 800-WSB-TALK. But in the meanwhile, it takes a little while for the calls to queue up. So I thought I would give you a little sample of something that my producer, Binkley, and I... Hey, Binkley, how are you doing? How are you? Hey, okay. I so what we do because now we have some time because normally we have a three hour show on Saturdays, but during football season we don't and we kind of get pent up with all the news and people <laughs> want to hear what we think. So we decided to do a what we call the drive time news blast because that is what it is. We had to change the name to that because that is what it is. 30 minutes every day. At around 4 o'clock Eastern, we post a podcast. You can get it at thepropreport.com. It's it's an offshoot of the Propaganda Report or any, any place you like to listen to podcasts. And what it is is we take all the news of the day and we just uh, blast it at you in 30 minutes. But it doesn't feel like overwhelming because it's fun and we chat and we can cover everything in 30 minutes. We have an hour today, so we don't really have to go crazy hitting everything real fast, but I thought we would just kind of uh, give you a little sample of that with like the news that's happened over the past 24 hours and just what it is and what we think of it. So I'm going to launch it with the Felicity Huffman sentencing. Felicity Huffman was sentenced to 14 days and $20,000 for days in jail for the college admissions scandal. And what she specifically did is there was this college advisor, paid advisor, William or Rick Singer, who she paid $15,000 to to fudge the score of her daughter for, I guess it was an SAT. It was a, called a college entrance exam. I assume it was an SAT. So she knew what she did was wrong. She did it anyway. She felt that her daughter really belonged in an art school, but she was bad at math. So she would not be, she would be an asset to the school and she threw herself at the mercy of the court and they had a little bit of a problem because they had to reward her for waiving her constitutional rights to trial. I'm not a fan of plea bargains, but they also had to, they used her sentence. This was widely reported and I think it's 
for sure true. They used her sentence to scare Lori Loughlin. Lori Loughlin's the only one who's fighting back. And in every article I read, it said, well, Lori Loughlin's so much worse. I mean, Felicity Huffman's number was 15,000. Lori Loughlin's is 500,000. But what I think the difference is, isn't that Lori Loughlin was worse. It's that I believe Lori Loughlin was defrauded out of that money and deterred from, scammed out of going to her uh, going through normal channels and getting her daughter in. And if you even read the FBI affidavit, which we talked about on the air, we had a, you can find it at the proper It's episode one thirty six. The, the, her husband said to this Rick Singer guy, Hey, I know the USC athletic director. I'm going to Augusta with him in two weeks. Can I talk to him about my daughter's application? And Rick Singer said, oh, no, don't do that. I've got this. He thinks you're going to donate a million bucks to the school, but you only have to give me 500 grand to my charity and we'll be, don't worry about it. There's other places in the affidavit which said, oh, Lori Loughlin, uh, we, uh, a couple of the fraudsters were saying she, we don't want the parents to find out. I mean, it's crazy. So she is fighting it. And as soon as she decided not to plea, they threw a money laundering charge at her. So her maximum potential sentence went from one and a half years to 40 years, four zero years. And the pro and, and why I am appalled at that is they penalized her for not being coerced into waiving her constitutional rights. And then, so then she got this great lawyer. I was so impressed. The guy, I don't, I'm not sure I know about the Ken Lay and Jeff, um, uh, the guy who it, he was the Enron prosecutor and he got this, he got the, those guys into jail, Jeffrey Skilling, I think the name was. And this guy, Sean Berkowitz at Latham Watkins is like a real heavy hitter lawyer wise. And I thought if he, she's got him, like she's got a fighting chance. I thought, I wonder if they'll start like a harassing him the way they did in the Epstein case where they went after the victims and their lawyers and everything. I just couldn't believe that she was going to be able to stick with this guy. And it ended up that the the judge was saying to Lori Lachlan, like, you, you and your husband shouldn't both use this great lawyer. One of you should get a different lawyer. It's bad for both of you. And she's like, no way. Then the prosecutor said, you're not allowed to. And then the, the USC, who's on the other end of one of the suits, said, oh, we, ha- we, we employ Latham Watkins on something else. You're not allowed to. So they're really trying to deprive her also of the right to counsel. So I hope very much that she has her day in court. I expect that if, if justice is served, I think that will look like vindication for her. Um, have you, Binkley, have you been following this story? Yeah, I saw that today CNN posted an article saying that Felicity Huffman is a role model for how to own up to your crimes in contrast to Lori Laughlin, not. Yes, it's, uh, yeah, she's not good. She's, I mean, that is not a good, that's not an accurate depiction not of the all. news. Yeah. So the reality is, uh, in my opinion, that Lori Laughlin is actually innocent. And, and even if, Felicity Huffman did this bad thing, which she said she did, and I believe she did. Her uh, her story is that, like, I don't understand why she's going to jail. She, what she did was, let's say she defrauded the school. 
But the real remedy, I would think, in that case would be for the school to sue her for the damages. And the damages would be the net loss to the school of having accepted Huffman's daughter over the first person on the wait list. And my guess is that the damages would be negative. Yeah. That there actually benefits from taking Huffman gives the school notoriety. Mm -hmm. They probably bring money, you know. So that's for me, that's a big thing. And I I think they're just looking at this wrong. I'm not even sure it's a crime. But uh, the Epstein thing did come up also in that. So it reminded me of Epstein because these guys will uh, harass you. I mean, I, I think that that there is definitely lawyer intimidation. But the latest thing from the Epstein case was an MIT professor who I guess he was emailing with uh, an alumna from MIT. And he's not, I think he was just a visiting professor. He said this crazy thing. He said about Marvin Minsky, who, so this guy was a computer, Richard Stallwell. He was a, he's a computer scientist at MIT. And Marvin Minsky founded the AI department. He's dead now, but he was one of the people who slept with Epstein's most famous kind of underage sex slave uh, or somebody he turned into a prostitute at the age of 15. And I guess she slept with Marvin Minsky when she was 17 under the, uh, at Epstein's place. And this is what the Stallman said. He said, it is morally absurd to define rape in a way that depends on minor details, such as what country it was in or whether the victim was 18 or 17. And I was horrified at that because you have to really be trying to get it wrong to not recognize that jurisdiction and age of consent are totally valid legal mechanisms in our system. And I mean, Brazil has an age of consent of 14. So is he saying that he can go with a 14 year old because Brazil has this law, even if it's not in Brazil? I mean, this guy, did you see his stuff? His stuff was crazy. I did. I saw his emails and yeah, it's not the not the strongest arguments to be making. <laughs> and he said, well, I think he was probably targeted because he had written blog posts in the past saying so why he would put this publicly saying stuff that like uh, it's not reasonable to consider child pornography sexually like pictures of sexually mature teens. Yeah. You know, you can be pretty young to f- classify as that. I mean, he's really I think he's stretching it there. So, uh, yeah, did you see anything else on Epstein in the in the uh, news today? Uh, I did. I saw that Stanford has been pulled into the Epstein scandal because he donated $50,000 to their physics program, making them like the what the third Ivy League school to be roped into the scandal. I believe it. And then the MIT thing, they took the money and and I believe it prompted a resignation. Yeah. The head of the MIT Media Lab. It reminded me of an article I read years ago. I used to, I, for one year, I bought this insanely expensive newsletter by a guy called Dr. Doom. It's uh, <laughs> Mark Favre. He's a financial guy. Like, this is the joke about him. He's predicted seven out of the last five recessions. 
So he's always saying there's a recession, yeah. but sometimes there isn't. <laughs> but he, but what he did is he he put out this newsletter, and there was he gets got really interesting old articles. So I can't find it now because it's like a highly private thing, and I don't have them. But there was this contemporary article from about a hundred years ago of someone from Harvard lamenting seeing the president or the dean or whatever in a carriage with a money guy, and he was like, oh he's taking money from that guy and he's going to distort the curriculum, the message. He's selling Harvard down the river for money for no good reason. It'll never be the same. And, and here we are. It worked for him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gets them rich. Harvard and Princeton have some of the biggest financial funds in the entire world. Yeah, they take that money and they don't look at who they're taking it from and... It's come back to bite them now. I mean, I think maybe it's beyond that. I don't, I don't know, but like, don't I don't care. even think it's, they don't know who they're taking it from. Yeah. I think they know exactly what's expected of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. But anyway, we've got lots more stories coming up. I'm open to calls, 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On 95.5 WSB, Atlanta's News and Talk. back we're talking about all the stories that were that we've got coming up uh one is a follow-up from something we did on thursday which is about the vaping so you've been hearing all of this stuff on vaping and the binkley and i both cracked the code simultaneously and when we came together to talk about this uh, on the podcast we both had the same conclusion that podcast is the Thursday, September 12th podcast, Binkley just retweeted it at Freedom Act Radio, and I'll retweet it when I get a chance at Monica Perez Show. And I'm going to tell you the punchline. The punchline is that Juul is a huge vaping manufacturer, vape manufacturer, and, and they sell liquids and stuff. And uh, lots and lots and lots of other companies just sell flavored liquids to put in the Juul vaping cartridge. And that's giving competition to the liquid that Juul sells. So there's been all this bad press about how vaping is bad and kids are getting hooked on vaping because it tastes good. So they're going to do a temporary or permanent, we don't know, ban on the good tasting stuff. But the tobacco tasting stuff can continue to be sold. So Juul's products, by and large, will keep getting sold. Anybody who's now hooked on vaping will be funneled to the commodity tobacco type liquid that Juul sells. And then all the companies who are waiting for approval from the FDA cannot sell their products. So presumably mo many, most, or all of them will go under in the meanwhile. And this is why we think like Juul's like, we need to do something about this. We're responsible citizens. It's like, well, I think they're about to be owned by Philip Morris if they're not already. And I'm not sure that the, that is the industry of responsible citizenship. And then I think that we're going to keep hearing stories about vaping until this is done. So, and I, there was a story that came across the wire. What was it, Binkley? Well, the vapor who is 18 years old is suing the CE cigarette company, Juul, because he's saying that he's a victim of advertising to children. And his lawyers say he never would have been addicted to this horrible product had it not been for this deceptive advertising. 
Even though, even though he admitted that for 18 months he smoked, smoked illegal THC out of it. Well, that's the funny part, is that most of these stories are about people who have been doing illegal things, off-market things, off-brand things. But there's a trend in the opioid industry, too, the opioid crisis, where everyone just, I mean, Trump actually said about the vaping in teens, these innocent children are vaping. I'm like, okay, I actually know some of the kids who are vaping, and they are not the innocent ones. They're the ones who are, you know, what, what we used to stand under the stairwell at, in high school and smoke cigarettes. We were not the innocent kids. I was a waitress. <laughs> like, I was already working. Yeah, I, I think by them being sued, it makes it look like they're under attack, and it distorts the fact that they're the only company and the number two in the market that are really benefiting from this potential legislation. And it does remind me of when the the article I read a long time ago, uh, hard to track down, I don't know what to search for, but that Marlboro was instrumental, did lobby for banning tobacco advertising because they had such dominant market share. And if that's what this is about advertising, right? This yeah. latest suit. So maybe they're really literally just doing the same thing over again. I don't know. Thank you for this good music. It, it would have been Amy Winehouse's 36th birthday today. I think she was a once in a generation talent. Obviously had her demons, but uh, it was a loss when she died. Let's get to more of these great stories after the break. Open to anything you want to ask Libertarian, 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man A man On 95.5 WSB, Atlantis News and Talk. I am waking Atlanta up to the true threats to our liberty Saturdays from 3 to 6 when I can uh, get the work, but I do make room for UGA Sports. So tonight I'm on from 8 to 9. I love the evenings. I feel like I can let my hair down. But what we're actually doing is we're revving up because we're giving you a lot of kind of rapid fire news. And oh, but speaking of university sports, I'm here with my producer, Binkley, of course. Binkley, did you hear this thing about the app at, at the University of Alabama that tracks the students for leaving early from the games? I did hear about that. Yeah, so when the New York Times titles the article Orwellabama, <laughs> you know it's bad. Yeah. And what it does is it it gives you social credits or actual credits or something like that for staying through the fourth quarter that you can use against, I think, ticket purchases. But this, that, that was like right out of the playbook, in my opinion, of Irving Crystal. Irving Crystal, Bill Crystal's father, wrote a book called Neoconservatism, the Autobiography of an Idea. And he explained, now he ha- was a self-described neo-Trotskyist turned neoconservative and you could tell when you read this book that it had nothing to do with traditional conservatism and he tries to explain the conservative welfare state as being where you don't take people's money and then give them stuff you give them incentives to buy the stuff you want them to buy so obamacare was straight out of the conservative welfare state and then this is similar it's just social control it's coercion or it's it's not coercion it's the it's the nudge what was the nudge 
Didn't, wasn't there a book? Did Cass Sunstein write that? Yeah, Cass Sunstein helped write a book called Nudge, where you craft the choices that other people are forced to choose between. Right, like our election. Exactly. <laughs> and people say I'm a conspiracy theorist. They are <laughs> cooking this stuff up and writing books for each other about it, for crying out loud. Anyway, I hate that stuff, but this is where we're where we're getting to. And that, I'm wondering now, that reminded me of that iPhone story you were telling me about the, what was that? What was the, like, more surveillance on iPhones? Yeah, the new iPhone 11 has a third, what I'm calling all-seeing eye, addition to its phone. It's creeping <laughs> people out. It has this weird <laughs> cluster of cameras on the back of the phone that is actually triggering what is called tri- Tripophobia, which is a fear of irregular patterns of small holes in people. Come it, on. That's what's that's the claim. Well, I have a fear of a bunch of cameras facing my fear. direction all the time, but it's not that it, the problem isn't the holes. The problem is the data that's being collected. It looks super creepy. There's a billboard of it if you're driving down 85, and it looks creepy. We're getting used to there mm -hmm. just being cameras out in the open everywhere watching I, us. I remember hearing on Neil Cavuto years ago, years ago, that all televisions, like in the near future, maybe now already, will have cameras in them. So all of your televisions... We'll have cameras in there to watch you. But there, there were other, I mean, it's the total information state. It's just all surveillance, all censorship, all the time. And that's why I read an article today in the journal that I just, it smacked as such a ridiculous BS that like, I gotta, I kind of have to read it to you a little bit. I'll read you a couple of pages. So there's a woman, I won't read it to you, but I'll tell you about it. It's Shelley, Shelby Pearson is a woman who was recently named to lead the U.S. intelligence community's new election threats group. And she met with Facebook and said, basically, that's how they're reporting it, you need to share more data with us about your users. And fortunately, after this is the quote from the journal, after a tense moment, another official explained that privacy law limited what social media platforms could hand over to spy agencies. So this is the chick who's running the show. Clear, I mean, everyone knows that, right? But I've noticed this, that there's this pattern of where you hear, I'll see quotes all the time. The officials are not, the government is not allowed to blanket collect all social media data. They say it all the time. And they want you to think that they're not actually doing it. And then just to make sure you got the message, the article ends up saying some people familiar with the exchange last week involving Ms. Pearson said it reflected a healthy friction between government and the private sector. So the system's working. We've got checks and balances. Don't worry. The total surveillance state is a democratic process. Don't worry at all. But you played me. A clip that people will hear if they want to listen to our weekly podcast, The Propaganda Report. I think you're going to put that out maybe tomorrow or Monday. Yeah. Where you found these guys, the intelligence people, like information operations guys, which is the new name for PSYOP, psychological operations, which was the new name for propaganda. Yeah. Where they talk about how they're going to use or plan to use the next election as a, quote, tripwire 
that so devastates our democracy that we will what capitulate to total surveillance or what it, what was it meant? Do you remember what that was meant to do? Or they seem to, to be implying that we would capitulate to changing the basic structure of what our government is. Okay, yeah, that sounded like what they were saying. It was pretty crazy. So they also said that the social media companies are are lining right. up. Right. Yes, they, they said, yeah, falling in line. And this was December 2018, these mm-hmm. quotes are from, right? And you do see that they just all fell in line. And it. And I was thinking, I, I assume that these guys, that they, they talk about Schmidt and Zuckerberg, Brin, Page, you can trace back to where the government kind of gave them that inside track, probably because they were super smart. I'm not saying they're just clowns, fell off a turnip truck. I'm saying they, they were chosen because they were the chosen ones they were they were the the dark neo you know the neo of the of yeah. the matrix and so if so those guys i think just do whatever they're told or they get travis kalanick the uber guy who did not do what he was told and is no longer in that meeting but they said look, a front page article in the same journal talked about how the tech ceos had to give all their emails and everything for to for these suits these antitrust suits that are coming down against them and i thought if if they if anyone's still holding out to not cooperate now when they collect all that stuff if they're actually doing this antitrust investigation it could just be pressure tactics like they're doing a Lori lachlan they could just be doing pressure tactics because i was trying to think what are these antitrust suits about when they start regulating monopolies a lot of times the end result is that those people get richer and more powerful in the end because they just actually regulate away any any startups to try to enter that industry. A highly regulated industry. Yeah. So these... So I do think that that'll be an interesting thing to listen to. Uh, you can find that at thepropreport.com. And then to counterbalance... The fact that we're careening headlong into the total information age, total tech surveillance, you're being monitored constantly when you go to a football game, your camera, there's three cameras taking pictures of you at all times. We have the the, the superheroes, the Democratic Avengers are Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Joe Biden. And finally, Biden agreed to give out his medical records before the next debate. So that should be ambiguous. Thank goodness. Yes. <laughs> so what do you think? What what was your in a you know, what was your like vital takeaway as you reflect on that debate on Thursday? Other than it being the worst thing I've ever suffered through watching in my entire life, I saw a bunch of people gang up on what looked like an old man who was barely holding it together in such a mean-spirited way that it made you feel sympathetic for him and want him to win. So I think it propped him up, ultimately, Joe Biden. Well, he's definitely using it, and he used a line that I believe he was inspired to use by a great Ron Paul line when faced with a similar question. It said, uh, asked asked by a reporter if he would release his medical records to address concerns about his age and sharpness. Mr. Biden responded, what the hell concerns, man? You want to (laughs) wrestle? Ron Paul delivered it much better. Ron Paul said, I'll challenge anyone on this stage to a 25-mile bike ride in the heat of Texas. You do know one of the only people did a home run in the baseball game, Ron Paul, 
Yeah, he the congressional he, baseball game. He is the uh, single most. I think he he holds records, and he was the best congressional baseball player mm-hmm. there ever was. He was a super sporty <laughs> dude. He volunteered. I think was it during Vietnam or Korea? I don't know, but he's he served two stints in the service. Yeah, as a doctor with little children at home. Like I can't. I don't care. Even it, I, I know people do. Like people get so so far down the rabbit hole and. I'm not saying I'm not as far as you can go, but I might be crawling back the other side. I don't know. So when people are like, oh, he's a whatever. You could see him do the Illuminati hand signs. He does. <laughs> and what he says, he wakes so many people up that you can't fault the guy. Then, you know, anyway. Then Joe Biden steals his line. Right? <laughs> and does a terrible job. And it's... Anyway, I love that because I thought, wow, that's true. Ron Paul can, does do that because he's a doctor. He's fit. So I have to tell you this little quote that I heard from that. So Edward Snowden, who I think is a masterful psychological operation, his story changes like from time. I've been following it for so long. And this is when I really understood what the phase the phases of psychological operations were like in the psychological operations handbook. It says that you can, that if it's working well, you can like pile on your goals and go into phase two. And I saw the phases unroll with Edward Snowden because his actual like biography changed, his story changed. All of a sudden, there was more footage of him before when he was on the run and met in a hotel room for 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, there was a movie of, of everything. Like they took hours and hours of footage like the story completely changed he was in a an airport in an airport for 45 days the airport had one coffee shop and had one hotel and he wasn't there and the press of the world was waiting outside the bathroom like he, i don't know anyway but he's writing a biography so that should be well i wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole but I'm sure it'll be a great novel. Snowden's publishing a biography. Snowden is autobiography. Autobiography. Wow. But let me tell you after the break what his what quote tortured as usual because he always you know his persona is this like hyper intellectual I don't know what geek nerd. So I'll give you the tortured quote that you had to think about like what does he mean? Oh, I know what he's talking about. So I'm gonna give you the quote and you're gonna go, Oh, I know what he's talking about. So right after the break, this is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on ninety five point five WSB Atlantis News and Talk. Okay, Binkley, you ready for the tortured Edward Snowden quote? Hit me with it. All right. So he's the guy who gets your mind ready for what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And then softened you up and accept it. So when he came out saying all the surveillance is illegal and I don't care what we do, we just need to have a conversation. And I pretty much said on that day, oh, they're just going to legalize it, which your Twitter handle provides the final results of that. Your Twitter handle is at Freedom Act Radio. And it was the so-called Freedom Act that brought that that made Edward Snowden, that squared Edward Snowden's problem. Oh, it's not illegal anymore. I guess it's okay. No problem. Wow. Oh, yeah. I knew that was, I called that right away. So I never trusted this guy. So (laughs) this is what it says. It says, um, what is real, this quote, listen, what is real is being purposely conflated, big word there, with what is fake through technologies that are capable of scaling that conflation into unprecedented 
global confusion. I would say that quote itself is generating unprecedented global confusion. I get it, but it's a lot to chew on. All right, I'm gonna what two word phrase encapsulates what he's talking about? Deep fake. Yes, I knew you would get it. Yes, deep fake. Deep fakes are coming. That is what is real is being purposely conflated with what is fake, augmented reality, etc., through technologies that are capable of scaling that conflation into unprecedented global confusion. This is actually fun and funny and totally terrifying. Yeah, he- I mean, wow. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> he lays on the corporate speak. In his deception. Yes, but unprecedented global confusion. So he is foreshadowing. He's forewarning what you've been telling us about, but that he's saying it unprecedented global confusion. I think, I, I wonder if you agree with me, what he's talking about is deep fakes are going to be that tripwire that the clip from the propaganda report, the next propaganda report, which is in the can, is that's what it is. You might be right about that. Deep fakes will have an impact, or at least they will be alleged to have an impact in the coming election. But a massive one. So what they yeah. said in the clip that you played for me was, well, I mean, you have to hear it. There's a lot of clips. But the one of the takeaways for me was they said that we're willing, like in the World War II, we, were willing, we sent 300,000 soldiers to the front line of Russia. And it wasn't like they were going to do anything like stop the Russian army. But if the Russian army came and slaughtered them, it's like a canary in a coal mine. That's the signal Russia's dangerous and we will then have a, a, re- a green light to invade them. And we need a tripwire like that for here, for our democracy. What's it going to be? And he said something terribly wrong with our 2020 election. And I mean... If they're willing to, if that is the analogy, that scale, that horror, the enormity there, and, and this guy saying unprecedented global confusion, I'm going to buckle up. I'm going to see what's happening. I still manage to be upbeat. I love Saturday night, so we're going to go with that. But you can listen to that stuff, Propaganda Report and the Drive Time News Blast, which is actually a blast at thepropreport.com. Until next time. Thank you, Binkley. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Crystal. This is Monica Perez.